Welcome to All Along the Wasatch, a public affairs program produced by Bonneville Salt Lake City. If you would like to submit a request to be on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. Now, here's the host of All Along the Wasatch, Mike Parsons. My guests today are from Scenic View Academy, and their website is svacademy.org. We have Jared Stewart, who is program director, and Sarah Heuser, who is very soon going to be a clinical social worker, and also Carrie Bushman, who is community engagement at Scenic View Academy in Orem. Welcome to all of you. Thank you. It's great to have you here. Um, Today is actually National Autism Awareness Day, and the month of April is Autism Awareness Month as well as Autism Acceptance Month. So April's a big deal in the autism world. Um, let's start by talking about Scenic View Academy itself. Who started it and how long ago and why? So Scenic View Academy was started back in 2001. It's just right at the mouth of Provo Canyon on the border with Orem. So we're technically Provo. Hmm. But uh, Ray and Ty Norda, who were the people who started Novell Word Perfect and all of that, they had a son with special needs and they found that after high school there was nothing for him. So they wanted to start a place where young adults who had neurodiversities, differently wired brains would be able to come and learn the skills they needed to have an independent and successful life. So for the last 22 years, Scenic View has been there working with residential live on campus students and helping them learn to transition, learn the skills to live, work and thrive on their own. And yeah, I've been there for 21 of those 22 oh, wow. years. So it's been been, a, been quite a ride. I've only seen the pictures on the website. I don't remember seeing it in person, but it is a beautiful building and it does not look 22 years old. It- Oh no, it's very well maintained. We have we have 19 acres there at the mouth of the canyon, and and beautiful buildings and apartments and dorms and greenhouses and fields and all of the classrooms and therapy offices you could imagine. And yeah, we're just opening a new clinic there, so it's it's a beautiful campus, and it's more and more uh, open to the community as well as not just our adult students. So Sarah, maybe you could talk a little bit about what's in the building. If if someone was going to take us on a virtual tour. Oh, okay. Um, okay, so we've got our brilliant front desk, which is the face of scenic view. Um, and then upstairs, we've got the clinic uh, where we do therapy and uh, neurofeedback with our students and also outpatient. We have an enti- we've got three different programs: um, the Live, the Work, and the Thrive program. So the LIVE program is going to teach you a lot of the skills that you need to, like, maintain your home and maintain yourself, like laundry and how to get all that kind of good stuff done, how to turn off the water when it suddenly starts running out of your faucet without your permission. Um, And then we've got Thrive, which kind of teaches um, recreation, like how to use recreation in a way that – it's, it can be easy to lose yourself in recreation, so <laughs> how to do it in a way that um, fills you and then doesn't completely take over your life. And then, of course, our work program, which teaches people uh, both soft and hard skills in getting jobs out in the community. And then you've also got apartments there where people live. Yes. So we've got dorms and then we've got apartments. So students usually uh, start out in the dorms and they're paying rent and taking care of their dorm on their own with a little bit of support. Um, and then once they are um, kind of ready to go live in an apartment, we've got apartments out back that they can go and live in. And I'd live in them. Yeah. <laughs> Jared, maybe you could talk about uh, how many people you serve at the facility, how many people actually live there. So at any given time, we have around 60 students and then some additional from the community that come in for services. 
we're looking to expand. We're working on projects with Provo Housing and the Utah County Housing that will allow us to manage some additional properties because the demand is always increasing. Um, but yeah, students kind of phase through it, like Sarah was saying, living in the dorms, then learning to cook and clean and care for themselves and start office campus jobs and they move into the apartments where they're now taking more care of themselves and working as an intern somewhere. And then finally now they're hired somewhere and they're living off campus and they have the skills for social skills and recreation and, and those things. And now they're off on their own. And what's the age range? I know everybody's over 18, but yeah, it's how, how, how much older do they to, go? 18 to 40. Okay. Yeah. Anything, it starts getting a little creepy over 40. So <laughs> <laughs> if you've got 18 year olds, so yeah, no, it's, it's a great group. And how many people work there? We have, like I said, about 60 students, and we have about 60 staff Okay, because it's a 24-7, 365 days a year right. facility, and you've got to always have some people around. And we've also learned that if you're helping people with special needs, one-on-one tends to work a lot better than any other modality. I would imagine with such a great facility and such a great atmosphere, you've probably got a waiting list. How does that work? So people apply, and then we have admissions about nine times a year. And then as students finish their program and finish off their goals, then that opens a spot for someone else to come on. So waiting can be as short as a month or as long as a year or two. I mean, any good nonprofit's going to have a waiting list for what they do. Oh, we definitely have a waiting list. <laughs> now, Sarah, you actually were diagnosed as autistic um, when you were 18. Yeah. And according to your bio here, it says you sort of got obsessed with it. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that, both the diagnosis and then what you discovered and yeah. and how your life has been since. Yeah. So I was in my fifth year of high school um, and I knew that something, I'd always known that something was up. And when I would bring it up with people, they just say, oh no, you're too smart. Um, which was extremely invalidating <laughs> Yeah. Um, because I just kind of thought that I, I had a label before autism and it was lazy. Hmm. Um, so I went and I finally convinced some people that I needed to get diagnosed and um, got diagnosed up here in Salt Lake when I was 18. And the rest was just kind of history. Um, I was able to complete my fifth year with a little bit more of like some more accommodations, um, a 504, and um, was able to go to college with accommodations as well. Um, so that was kind of the important part of the diagnosis. I kind of already knew what was up. I had started doing research Mm. into autism and related disorders um, and was like, oh, that's me. It was, it was good to have a diagnosis, but I kind of had my own diagnosis even before then. And I remember when we talked years ago, you saying that in a lot of ways, your autism can be a benefit in the job that you do. Yes, for sure. So I was doing um, benefits. I was doing government benefits. So I was helping people apply for and maintain things like Social Security and um, Medicaid and kind of that realm. And most people would think that that sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people tell me they couldn't have done my job um, and tell them they could if they had made it their special interest, which Mm. is kind of what happened with, I mean, you don't get to choose your special interest, but thankfully for my brain, it usually just says like, oh, this thing's important. We'll go into it. So my brain um, 
very much autism became a special interest, related disorders became a special interest, and um, government benefits became an interest. And then I was able to kind of go off of the autism interest into therapy. And so that's what I'm doing now. I'm going to graduate in May with my um, master's of social work. That's fantastic. So how will your job change then? Um, I'll be doing therapy. That's fantastic. Yeah. And we're really glad to have her. Having therapists who actually kind of are familiar with the autistic brain, especially from the inside, just makes Sarah just primed to be able to help people with neurodiversities therapeutically. And that's a really rare combination. So we're really grateful that we could snatch her up right out of grad school. (laughs) That's fantastic. I didn't ask you uh, each kind of your background and how you came to be at uh, Scenic View Academy. Carrie, maybe you could go first. Like, how'd you end up there? Um, So I actually started, um, I actually had a career in broadcasting. I still do. Um, But about my mid-30s, I decided to go back to school. And uh, I finished up my bachelor's degree in communication. But I minored in autism just because it seemed really interesting Hmm. to me. And kind of like Sarah, it became my special interest, and I uh, wanted to learn everything I could about autism, and Jared was actually one of my instructors at the university, and I enjoyed his class so much. I was like, this is what I want to do, and the rest has kind of been history that, you know, it's been seven years. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. So community engagement, what does that entail? So that means um, I work with our students and with the public to make sure that our students are engaging with the community and to make sure the community is engaging with our Hmm. students. So I do everything from like the fundraising gala to um, we have a a convention we do every year for people on the spectrum that I... We're going to talk about that. We'll talk about that. Um, And just any of those kinds of things. I work with our alumni in the community. So if they need support, I can help them find resources Hmm. and, and things like that. And are you involved with the other events? I know you do like a a gala. You're involved with all of those events. Tell me about Family Day. Family Day is a day where uh, we invite the families of our students to come and kind of get a feel for what it's like to be a student at Scenic View. We um, show them skills that their students are learning. We kind of give them some empathy exercises to kind of help them feel like what it might be like to be autistic Mm -hmm. so that hopefully they can understand their student and what they're going through a little bit. Um, But it's just kind of a fun day for the families to be involved with the school. And I would imagine especially like younger siblings might be kind of curious about how come, you know, why why does our brother go there and what happens in there? Exactly. So, yeah. Um, Jared, how did you end up there? You've been there almost the whole time. Yeah, I, I kind of lucked out. I was I was a junior high teacher and I decided I wanted much smaller classroom sizes. Hmm. And I wasn't diagnosed with autism yet at that point. But like Sarah, I had come up with a lot of different labels for myself. And I knew I was just really, really different and I was going to need kind of a different career. So I was off to go get a master's degree in special ed and I needed a job for the summer. And this place called Scenic View Academy was hiring for teachers. And I was like, oh, I'll just go be a tutor there for the summer and mm-hmm. then I'll go off to grad school. And about two, three weeks into that, I was like calling up grad school saying, I'm not coming. I'm going to stay here and do this thing because this is really exciting. And you've been specifically diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome. Yeah, which is no longer officially a thing. So now it's all part of the autism okay. spectrum. But yeah, it, uh, back then it was that was the that was what they applied to you if you were verbal and had normal or above IQ. They oh, you're Asperger's syndrome. But I'd never even heard of that till I came to Scenic View, and, and thankfully it 
opened a key to a lot of the rest of my life. And, and not long after I found Scenic View, I had several family members get diagnosed with autism mm. separately. And then I eventually went in and got the official diagnosis for myself just because I wanted to be able to tell my students. But also I have a, I have a son with autism and I mm. wanted to be able to tell him that, yeah, your dad's got this too. What does finally finding out what's going on? Because you just like Sarah said, you always knew there was something there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it, it, it's there whether you have a label for it or not, mm-hmm. right? You're just telling yourself like, oh, I'm kind of a chameleon. I'm just kind of different. I'm kind of broken. I'm an alien. I'm whatever, <laughs> you know. And I it just all of a sudden so much of my life made sense. And it was this relief for me of like, oh, my gosh, I'm I'm not broken. I'm not some broken version of normal. I'm I'm just me and I'm. I'm autistic, and that means I'm going to have these strengths and probably these challenges. By golly, those are the strengths and the challenges I've had in my life, and so that makes so much sense. And now I've got an anchor for me that I can use and some ground to walk on, and I can make sense of so many things around me. And all of a sudden, my own image of myself and my life changed dramatically from I'm kind of this broken imposter who's always just trying to fake his way through everything to, no, I'm I'm this autistic person who can make a very unique contribution to the world, and it's okay Mm. that I'm this different. And it was, it's just been absolutely liberating for me. And it's something we try at Scenic View to help pass on to our students. And then we try to share as well with our autism convention is like just getting rid of some of the stigma and the shame of having a brain wiring that falls outside of that kind of normal curve. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to ask this question, but I'll go ahead and ask it anyway to, to both of you. If there was some kind of a cure, a shot you could take where it just goes away, would you do that? Or is it so much a part of who you are that you wouldn't want to change that? I would never. No? <laughs> no. Um, I think once you get to a certain age, um, you kind of get used to yourself. And there's um, – I I feel like I experience things a little more hmm. than most people. And I – like the highs are higher, the lows are lower, and I wouldn't want to give that up. Hmm. Um, I feel like everything about me is influenced by my autistic brain, mm-hmm. and it would just be an entirely different brain. It autism. would be like going back and starting over somehow. Yeah. yeah. We're talking to Jared Stewart, who is program director at Scenic View Academy, Sarah Heuser, who will very soon be a clinical social worker, and Carrie Bushman, who is a community engagement manager. Scenic View Academy, and their website is svacademy.org. Carrie, let's talk about OtCon. Let's do. Um, Comic-Con is something people have heard of and Fanex. Yes. Those sorts of conventions. <laughs> but this convention is quite a bit different than those. Yeah. Um, so whose idea was this originally? Um, it actually stems from an experience that Sarah and I had. Uh, we went to school together and the university was having a autism conference and I was all excited to go and learn stuff. And I said, hey, are you coming with me? And she said, no, that it's not really aimed at me. Hmm. It's, you know, aimed for professionals. And, right. And, um, and that really struck me of like, oh, yeah, we have a lot of things about autism, but not a lot of things for autism. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's where OtCon came from is this idea that it's people on the spectrum, uh, you know, community supporting community, people on the spectrum supporting other people on the spectrum. Um, so they're not being told by, you know, outsiders what they should do or be, that it's the community strengthening the community. So this is not an event that you're inviting everybody in the world to come to. Um, you have to be on the on the spectrum somewhere. You have to be autistic. Well, the official answer is. Okay. <laughs> um, 
an official diagnosis is not needed. We don't okay. check for your diagnosis when you, you... You don't have to bring your autism card. Yes, your <laughs> autism card will not be checked. Yeah, I'm just going to ask if there's an autism card. <laughs> so, um, so whether it's... Our, if you suspect you're on the autism spectrum, maybe you have a family member on the spectrum, you just want to learn more about autism from the autistic perspective... But it is designed for adults on the autism spectrum. And it is open to people who are not currently in your program. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We have lots of people from around the country that come. We have we have allies come too, parents or, or siblings who want to learn more and are respectful of that autistic space there. Um, and we have a lot of kind of like kindred spirits. So I'm going to out Carrie here. On, you can edit this out if you want. But no, it's fine. She's ADHD, so she's kind of, you know, on that same neurodiverse spectrum. Yeah. A little broader spectrum than autism is, but still very much close by. And so we'll have people come who are kind of like, well, I'm ADHD and I've got these other, you know, issues. And it's like, come on, we're welcome. If, yeah. if your brain works a little different and it would benefit you to learn about autism and related issues from people on the spectrum, come. And, come on over. Yeah. I have not been diagnosed with ADHD, but I have – everybody in my family are school teachers. My parents, two of my siblings, a couple of in-laws, my wife – and they all have told me that yes. I'm given the, the that things everyone that I've, in radio is I've, I've, people ADHD. in radio have ADHD. Yeah, everyone in radio. <laughs> yeah, radio is ADHD, and, and film is often ADHD or huh. autism. Yeah, yeah. As I think about things that happened in school and, and the way I reacted to things, they all say, "Oh yeah, absolutely." <laughs> but we didn't have those words back then. No, different labels. So when is OtCon? So OtCon is May twelfth and thirteenth. That's a Friday and a Saturday. And uh, we we know our people, so it starts a little later. It starts at 10 a.m., mm-hmm. and uh, we usually go till about 8 p.m. So we're not going to make you people too much, <laughs> um, but we want to pack as much information and fun in there as we can. And, you know, when you talk about autism, you talk about the spectrum and how no two people with autism are alike. So how do you put on an event for a group of people where no two people are alike? Well, one of the first things we do is we say, okay, yeah, it's 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. and it's two days. And some people go, <gasps> you know, and you say, and you come for as long as your yeah. batteries will last. If Once your batteries are dead, we have lots of options there to either go relax and tell your batteries regenerate or if you need to go home and then come back or if you can only handle so much. We've had some people come back who are like, oh, yeah, I, I couldn't make it last year because it was too much, but – I'm ready now, and you know. So every other year they'll come or whatever, and and that's great. That's fine. It's just come and be yourself, and be free to be yourself, and and uh, come for as long as you can. That's one way we do it. And there's yes. a lot of others. Yes, um, we have lots of social supports. If networking is not your thing, um, which it isn't for a lot of people, we have um, lanyards. You know that people wear to that where you can show others what your level of social, oh, okay. your desired level of social interaction. Um, so if you want to just kind of hang back and watch, you have a red tag. And mm. if, you, if you're there to make friends and meet new people, you got a green one. And it just kind of helps people um, mix and mingle at, at levels that they're comfortable at without oh. having to do the awkward small talk with people. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and I would say that with um, just being with other autistic people is an accommodation. So as much as I love seeing Fuse program, as much as I love therapy and everything, like the most beneficial thing that anyone gets out of Scenic View is coming and being around other autistic yeah. people. Um, so I think just having an, a, a convention that's full of autistic people um, gives you permission to not mask, to um, maybe uh let your freak flag fly a little bit. Um, and that kind of makes an allowance for 
as many different people yeah. as there are going to be there. And we do um, – w- one of the things I enjoy about OtCon is we want people to be as comfortable as possible. So when people say, well, what do I wear? We're like, well, what are you comfortable in? If it's your Captain America outfit, wear that. Mm-hmm, yeah. If it's a, you know jeans and a T-shirt, wear that. You know, We want you to be able to participate fully, and we want you to be comfortable while you're there. And how do people uh, get registered and signed up and, and pay for it? You can go to our website, which is svacademy.org backslash OTCON, A-U-T-C-O-N. And you're five or six years into this now, right? Yeah, this is our sixth, sixth? seventh year. Seventh year. Have done- what have you learned? <laughs> What's different this year than the first one? What's, oh, my. Um, well, we added a job fair this year. We always ha- have resources that are available for people on the spectrum, but... Employment is one of those resources that um, is much needed in the autism community. And so um, we've added a job fair this year. Um, We always get great feedback from our attendees on things they like, things they don't. So um, our sessions are often shaped by the feedback we get. Um, One of our our sessions this year is um, autism and addiction, which has been um, a requested one. Um, one of my favorite ones that we that we have is from uh, Met Harrison, the author, um, PhD, best-selling author. Her, her presentation is called "Red Flags for Gullible Nice People." Oh, that's a that's a good. <laughs> How title. to avoid being conned, being loved, bombed, being scammed, or being used, which we hate to admit, but is yeah. sometimes a challenge with folks on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So, what does that look like um, when people do that to you? How do they take advantage of you? So autism tends to be really, really logical. And logic is wonderful as long as you're starting from like true assumptions and true information. So if someone's giving you false information and you don't pick up on that, which Mm. autism doesn't read nonverbals very well, you have to really learn those skills. I mean, we need to be our age. We're a little better at it. But still, uh, I can tell you horror stories of all the times in my life that I've been ripped off or whatever else. Because if you're starting and you don't realize that they're lying to you or that they're deceiving you, then you're just going to go right off their statements and logically then yeah. that's – of course I'm going to give you money. I had never even thought of that. Give us some other examples of some of the other uh, sessions. Um, we've got – well, Jared's going to be doing a session called Relationships. Yes, you can. <laughs> the pros and cons of masking, which if you want to talk about your own presentation, I'll let you. <laughs> well, masking is something that like Sarah was alluding to as autistics, we're kind of – the world isn't built for us. And so you kind of have to think of yourself as a tourist in a neurodiverse culture or in a, sorry, in a neurotypical culture. So you're this neurodiverse tourist in this neurotypical culture and you're trying to make your way. And for some people they can kind of do the tourist thing, but a lot of people feel like they kind of have to hide themselves because of the way that the neurotypicals respond to them. Mm. And so that kind of masking is exhausting and toxic and can be really harmful for those on the spectrum where you're trying to fake being neurotypical all the time and you're always worried that someone's going to like see through that and it's just burns you out. And the other kind of masking is also exhausting but is allows you to kind of connect more with the neurotypicals and make them comfortable. But uh, So I'm going to be talking about kind of that line, that the pros and the cons there, and, and there's no right or wrong to it as long as you're being – as long as it's not burning you out or being toxic or unhealthy. Mm. but So I'm going to talk about some of the, the nuance there, but also the fact that we live in a world where you don't have to mask as much as you did back when we were kids either. People are more accepting of differences now yeah. than they probably have ever been. Um, but that still doesn't mean that if you're a tourist, you can just come in and trample all over their culture and you know <laughs> break their sacred 
everything. And so it, it's a, yeah, it'll be a fun topic. And I don't know, we like to do a lot of those kind of very autism specific topics. Yeah. And then also some really broad stuff like yeah. employment. Yeah. <laughs> And, but it's not all panels and sessions. There is some fun involved, too. We've got too. some fun, yeah. yeah lots. So talk about some of the activities. <laughs> um, so I'm really excited this year about we have a petting zoo, or as I like to call it, the cuddling zoo, because, you know, that we have bunnies and um, I always forget the name of the little, they roll up in Hedgehog. a ball. Hedgehogs. Oh, yeah. Chinchillas. Um, and, but some things you don't necessarily want to cuddle with, like lizards or snakes. But some people, some autistics will. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. So I'll we have a spider. Oh, snakes are all right. sorts of, you know, so in between sessions, if you want to come and cuddle with some animals, you can do that. Um, like I said, we have our job fair. We always have a resource fair of resources in the community that, um, are, that support autistic adults. Um, and a nerf battle. Oh yes. I forgot the nerf battle. So we have, uh, Lots of space on our campus, and so folks are welcome to bring their own Nerf gun, or we also have Nerf guns that we will supply and Nerf bullets, and it's just kind of a a free-for-all, last man standing. (laughs) Sarah, since you've kind of dug deep into autism, what, what do we know about autism in 2023 that maybe we didn't know 10 years ago? Um, oh, that's or a ago. broad question. Well, <laughs> when I was first diagnosed, um, I think something that's kind of been interesting to watch is that um, the autism acceptance movement and the autism disability rights movement has progressed quite a bit. Um, when I was first diagnosed, I was doing my deep searches and I was still coming across articles about using shock collars mm. on children um, that were... Let's see. What year was I? 18. Oh, this is embarrassing. I can't do math. 2009? 2009. That's pretty pretty recent. Yeah, very recent. Um, There's still a lot of talk about curing autism back in 2009. Yeah, a lot of... What a tragedy um, and epidemic it was. Yeah, yeah. A lot of looking into things like chelation therapies, which if you need them are great, and if you don't need them, they'll kill you. Mm. Um, Just things like that. And I'm seeing a lot less of that now. Mm, And I'm seeing journals start up that are by autistic people for autistic Mm. people. Um, So the research realm is becoming a lot more human. (laughs) Um, And to me, that's kind of been the most fascinating thing, even on top of all the genetic stuff that people have been finding, which, I mean, I think... When was the human genome nap- mapped? 2000. Now is when we need chat GBT. I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It'll tell you. But relatively close to when I was diagnosed. And so people were still very, uh, I'll use the word hopeful, even though that wasn't my word, that um, we were going to find the genetic cause and underlying cause of mm. autism lickety split and cut it right out. Uh, mm. uh, and so that has gone away a little bit as well, um, especially as we're finding out that the genetic map is not that simple and autism is located all over the place. Hmm. How's it been for females on the autism spectrum? Things have gotten a little bit better. Um, it's Autism still is a little white boy syndrome. Oh, um, And so being diagnosed as a woman... Is difficult being diagnosed as a person of color is difficult, um, and it, people are slowly becoming more aware that it just looks different. Yeah, what um, 
what is being developed at all to help you live a, a better life with autism? Are there medications that are new? One of the big differences between autism and ADHD is that there really haven't been any medications developed for autism that that work for everybody. Um, Some things like that come along with autism, like anxiety. Yeah, there are probably medications that can work for that. And those are great if you can, if those work for you. But uh, some apps have come along. But like I said, just the acceptance, the fact that Elon Musk, richest man in the world, can come out on Saturday Night Live and say, I'm autistic. You know, that that probably has been the best accommodation is just the awareness that has gone up and the acceptance that, hey, actually, this differently wired brain might be really useful in today's world. So, Carrie, I always like to give nonprofits a chance to thank the people that are helping them. So who are the sponsors of OtCon? Um, so the Autism Council of Utah, number one, they have been so supportive Every year, um, we really appreciate them. Scenic View Academy, the Melissa Nellison Center for Autism at UVU, um, FM 100, Era 103.5 have been really supportive as well, and uh, the Utah Developmental Disabilities Council and Texas Instruments. All those folks have contributed to our success. We're out of time, and I have 16 more questions, so we'll have to have you back sometime. <laughs> Uh, Scenic View Academy in Provo. The website is svacademy.org. We've been talking to Jared Stewart, who is program director. Uh, Sarah Hoiser. Sarah Hoiser, who is very (laughs) soon to be a clinical social worker. And Carrie Bushman, who handles the community engagement duties in addition to uh, being here on FM 100. (laughs) Thank you all for coming in so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to All Along the Wasatch with Mike Parsons. If you would like to submit a request to be a guest on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. That's mparsons at ksl.com.